This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, The Legendary Dog Whistle Branding. Today on DWB, I discuss why poor positioning can kill your revenue. If your sales and marketing isn't working, then your positioning is broken. Luckily, we're here to help you fix it on today's show. Gunny, get them ready. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy and business coaching for veteran owned businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media and business coach at the Lions Pride. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. We're going to kick things off today by sharing a story. Uh, Over the weekend, I was reading April Dumford's fabulous book, Obviously Awesome, How to Nail Product Positioning So Customers Get It, Buy It, and Love It. And in the book, she tells the story of this award-winning, Grammy-winning violinist named Joshua Bell, who plays in a D.C. metro station. Now, Josh Bell is like this world-renowned violinist, commands premium pricing wherever he goes, upwards of $300 plus a ticket, sells out symphony halls all over the country, all over the world. But this media outlet wanted to know what would happen if you put the same violinist in the D.C. metro station, played the same exact concert, you know, how much would he be able to earn? And so when he's playing in the symphony halls across the world, he sells out. You put him in the D.C. metro station, he made like $30. And why is that? And it goes back to positioning. How you position your products and services signals to the market its value. And poor positioning can kill revenue generation unlike anything else. Because, again, you're perfect. Like, let's use a violinist, for example, right? His perfect customers are probably not people um, commuting back and forth through the D.C. uh, metro station, right? Just not, right? His perfect customers are people that are very much into the arts. They probably go to museums. They go to all kind of concerts, right? They have an affinity for good music, orchestra. Maybe they played themselves. But, you know, when you're in an environment like a subway, it's basically like a mall, right? And it's just crowded, right? You get false positives. It's just it's just a lot, right? But, again, you put your products in that market, right, you're never going to command its value. And so that's one of the reasons I harp so much on um, – positioning right and positioning just so we're clear positioning and category design in my mind are interchangeable right category design is one form of positioning but you know um when we talk about positioning we're really paying homage to al reese and jack trout and like the old timers you know because that's how they really thought about category design they just referred to it um as positioning but it's super important and that's why i was reading uh april's book over the weekend freaking crushed it and so I actually also took a couple notes on the book that I wanted to take some time to share with you and uh, talk you through all right so one of the first notes I have is when customers encounter a product they've never seen before 
They're going to look for contextual clues to help them figure out what it is, who it's for, and why they should care. This is the responsibility of not only the sales team, but the marketing team as well. And I've said this before, and I'll say it a hundred times, right? Marketing is sales at scale. So you need to be able to figure out what works, what pulls a customer across the line, what makes them have trust with you, right? And you've got to test a bunch of different copy, a bunch of different messaging, a bunch of different um, conversations, right? To figure out what works. Sometimes you all try to be too innovative. You're like, nothing like we've, we've never seen nothing like this before. This is something completely new, yada, yada, yada. But make no mistake, people are already trying to solve the problem that you're addressing. They're just doing it in a different way. You know, um, maybe someone, let's say, for example, you're building a, uh, not productivity, but uh, what do you call it? Project management platform. Okay. Nothing like this exists before. Well, maybe they're using pen and paper. You know, maybe they have some old system that they set up. They're using Basecamp. They're using some of these other softwares out there. Don't be arrogant and assume that they're not trying to, they're, they're not solving this in another way. Okay. So again, they're going to look for a reference point. And a lot of times that reference point are things that are already out in the market or things that they're already using to solve that problem. Another note I have is trends help buyers understand why your product is important to them right now. Trends can help business buyers understand how a product aligns with the overall company's priorities, making it more strategic and urgent purchase. Now, here's the important part about trends, right? Trends are things that are top of mind uh, to your customer, right? So I'll use an example. When I launched Ironbound Media in the summer of 2020, there was a couple things that were in my favor. Number one, the pandemic was taking place, okay? And during that time, online content surged, surged, right? Podcasting was surging because people were stuck at home. Brands needed to get their message out. And all of a sudden, you know, brands that weren't considering podcasting before were more interested and more open to it. And I saw that. I took advantage of it. When I pitched one of my clients, Bunker Labs, one of the things that I knew was that, hey, audio is an untapped medium for creating educational content particularly to allow us to highlight underrepresented founders, okay? Um, and again, what was happening around the same time? George Floyd, right? So everybody's looking around and saying, okay, we need to do more to elevate uh, black businesses, right? One easy way to do it is to reach out to them, get their stories, put them on a platform, you know, and really be front and center. And so um, taking advantage of trends with regards to your positioning um, is very smart. But here's the, uh, here's the catch-22, Okay, all trends don't last. And what we're trying to do, what the goal you all should be focused on with your companies is to uh, be sustainable long term. Right. So if you were chasing some crazy trend like NFTs and stuff like that. Right. Not to say that, like, that's not going to pay out in the long term, but like they're just I call them fair weather fans. Right. They just hop from this, hop to this, hop to this. You see a lot of people who record podcast episodes. They have some very topical podcasts, right? This podcast is evergreen. It's something I want people to be able to come back to again and again. But there are some out there that stay up to date on current events, and that's all they record. That's all they record. But what it does is it really kind of kills their back catalog, okay? But with regards to business owners, right, trends can take you because you're just hopping from one thing to one thing to one thing. And if it doesn't pay out, you're screwed. And so just make sure – that, yeah, you can talk about trends, you can use it to uh, leverage your positioning, but just be smart and be cautious about it. 
Another note I have is understand that customers who love, sorry, understand the customers who love your product. Built the product, built the category and product offering around the customer, not the other way around. You have to be obsessed with your perfect customer if you want to attract more of them. I'm going through this conversation right now with a brand that I'm working with, right? They want to launch this online product, courses and stuff, et cetera, but they don't have any customers yet, right? And so one of the things I'm telling them is before they go invest in time into building all these courses and building all this content, like spin up the brand, get some paying clients, coach them, provide value, see where the market pull, see what the market pull is, i.e., what topics keep coming up, you know, what um, materials are you creating to support them over and over again, and use that, basically use these customers as like uh, patient zero, use them as a case study to determine what kind of content makes the most sense, right? Instead of just saying, hey, I want to start this online educational course, I'm going to film all these videos, yada, 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 but oh, by the way, I have no idea who my perfect customer is. I have these assumptions and I'm going to force this content on them instead of pulling the content from them. And this is a hard thing for people to understand because a lot of times, like, we're sold this myth that the idea is everything. Oh, I got this great idea. We're meeting an unmet need in the market, and we're going to create this product and serve it and force, service and force it on the market. Instead of getting, like, super intimate with the customer, understanding, you know, who you're serving, and figure out how you can build a product for them. Okay, so again, look for just fucking work around the customer. It's going to save you so much trouble, I promise. And that kind of goes to my next bullet point, which is customer-facing positioning must be centered on a customer frame of reference, okay? Again, don't try to be too sexy. Don't try to be too slick, right? You want to make it plain and make it clear for your customer. They need a reference point. And part of your responsibility as the marketing person, as the branding person, hell, as a CEO, is to give them that frame of reference. You need to be able to articulate your value easy over and over again. And I use this analogy, too, just going back to what I said. I was on a call um, with someone, and they didn't really understand the importance of, of uh, your marketing being sales at scale. And I fundamentally believe that, like, if you have someone responsible for marketing even if it's your digital marketer, they need to be able to close a client. Like if they can't close a client, then that shit is going to be terrible what they're posting because they're not going to understand. It's like, you know, it's like if a kid comes into the Ironbound Boxing Academy and learns how to box with me and spars, and then you put them in a in a uh, something like karate, right, or another soft sport, nothing against all you karate people out there, but like let's be honest, karate and boxing ain't the same thing. He's going to murder the, the kid sparring in karate. Because he's just used to that uh, contact sport. He's not afraid of it, right? He's going to go right at him. Same thing with the people that are responsible for your marketing, right? If they can close sales, your marketing is going to be fucking kick-ass. It is. Because they're, they're not going off a of theory and assumption. They're going off of what works. And so don't be afraid to nudge them on that. Don't be afraid to make them practice that, right? Um, I'm actually thinking about that with my team. Uh, I'm... I want them to get the confidence that comes from being able to close a client. Number five, startups should position the product and company as the same thing. For all you startup founders, this is the key to not confusing your prospect prospects. In the early days of a company with a single product, 
positioning the product and the company as the same thing is the easiest path to establishing a brand in the minds of a customers because there are simply few things to remember. I think I talked about this on a previous episode, but a lot of times we come up with an idea for a company. Um, and I'm going to use um, Locole as an example. So Locole is this great veteran-owned brand. They are doing some amazing stuff in sustainability. And they've created this product called Rainmaker, which allows them to convert um, like uh, waste into energy and fuel. The problem is the company is called Locole. The product is called Rainmaker. And we need a category, in my mind, for this Rainmaker product, Okay. What's confusing, though, is like we're presenting ourselves front-facing as local, but this product they're raising funding for is a Rainmaker, et cetera. My advice to them was to just brand the company as Rainmaker, identify the product category, right, come up with that, and focus on that. And so when you're raising money, when you're raising capital, you're actually raising capital to sell this product at scale and get a return for investors. So building the company around this Rainmaker product, that's just an example. There was another company I was working with. Um, her name is Carla Bond. She runs Upskill VR, um, virtual uh, reality training for first responders to upskill on uh, their certifications and stuff, et cetera. And so that'd be another example. Upskill VR, then you have the category. And then start with one pro start with the one product that she offers because she – she had a bunch of different um, products that she was trying to spin out, but I recommended like, hey, just just focus on one. Those that's super important. And that's something that I learned. I had to get taught that. That wasn't. Um, I didn't just just figure that out, right? I, it was actually um, the guy Diego who I had on this podcast. You know, was having the conversations back and forth with him through Carla. Couldn't figure out, you know, why he was giving her this advice versus the advice I was giving her around category, and then it clicked. You got to position the company and the product as the same thing. Number six, what would customers use if your product didn't exist? Remember, this is going back to what I said before. We love to think our stuff is so amazing. But at the end of the day, if we don't exist, right, at the end of the day, people are already trying to solve the problem in another way. We don't want to be arrogant and naive to not think so. Like if podcasting as it currently, as we currently know it didn't exist, customers might just record a conversation on Zoom. Right. And just send it out to their email list or something. Right. Upload it on Google Drive. Right. Think through, um, you know, what people would do if you just didn't exist. OK. Number seven, trying to beat an established market leader at their own game is a bit like trying to out Cola Coke. If you're going to go head to head with a company, you better be able if you're going to go to head to head in a category like uh, Cola or what's another one? Um freaking uh fast food like all this different stuff right you better be you know you you better come to win and for a lot of y'all that are tuning in here's the reality right less than four percent of businesses make over a million dollars a year in revenue period right that's a fact now some of y'all are out there raising venture capital you're 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 going for broke um but the thing is when you're in the early days fighting to gain traction right you're probably still going to have to niche down um, is the reality of it. Um, if you're trying to, you know, outbeat some of these established brands, you know, and you make a category opportunity um, obvious that they didn't see before, now they have way more money they can invest in, they can pump in, and they can beat you to it. So there's just a lot of factors that uh, are at play. Switching cost, 
you know, like that's another thing. And I can do a whole episode on switching costs. Like for me, like I use Google, I use Google Docs, right? And I'm in there so much that like, yeah, I try these other uh, project management software, but I find myself going back, back to Google Docs, right? That's real. Like, how do you, um, how do you account for that? You know, when you talk about search, right? You, you want to launch a search platform to make it easy for people to find stuff, right? How are you going to beat Google search when people are going to Google like a hundred times a day? How are you going to beat it? How are you going to uh, outdo YouTube, right? Like that's why I don't recommend it, right? Um, again, there's certain entrepreneurs and markets um, and products that could potentially pull it off. But for the majority of us, right, going against an established king um, is not good. It's not the best course of path. It's niching down an existing market with strong demand, like dog whistle branding, or creating a new market altogether, like probiotic soda, wearables, customer resource management. That's the way you want to go. I have a lot more notes from the book, but these are some that just pop top of mind. Um, and I'm actually getting April Dumford on this podcast to talk through her 10-step uh, positioning framework. Um, and that's going to be super exciting. But Man, I'm telling y'all, like, at the end of the day, positioning is not just the responsibility of your social media manager and your marketing team. This responsibility falls on the founders and the CEOs, as well as a trusted advisor like me. Because if your sales and marketing isn't working, chances are that you have poor positioning. And poor positioning can kill revenue generation like nothing else. And so if you need help with your positioning, designing your category, hit me up, drop me a line on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at michaelweirironbound.com. Really excited that y'all tuned in today. I got a lot of more, I got a lot more amazing content for y'all. I'm putting together some playbooks. Um, it's going to be a great year, man. I'm really happy to have you all tuning in with me today on this platform. So until next time, peace, love, have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy for better known businesses. We believe that audio is the future of publishing and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by the lion's pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders. We serve mission driven, high performing small business owners with at the ready resources, battle tested tools and full service support. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com.